It's the Persistent and Nasty Podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2023 series. The episodes will be released at various different times, so make sure that you have subscribed so you get notified when a new episode has dropped. We have some amazing guests coming up for you and I know that you won't want to miss them. They will be everything from circus performers to theatre makers to singers to spoken word poets and we can't wait to share all of them with you. Remember, if you are taking part in the Edinburgh Festival Fringe or you are just going for a visit, remember your rain jacket, your comfy shoes and a pair of shorts because you never know the weather that you're going to get in Edinburgh. But what you are guaranteed is some incredible pieces of theatre. Enjoy the episode and remember... Stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2023. I hope that you're all doing really well, looking after yourself, being kind to yourself and each other and if you are at the festival I hope that you are powering through and making sure that you're taking good care of your body, your voice, your mind and your soul and that you are having the best, the best time. Today I chat with Eva Lilly about her new show, I've Got Some Things to Get Off My Chest. A really brilliant chat with Eva. We talk about um, being someone who has really large boobs and how that has inspired her show. And as someone who also has really large boobs, I um, empathise greatly and find a lot of the things that are mentioned in today's episode really funny. However, if you don't have as large boobs as Eva does, it doesn't matter because what we talk about is how uh, we have misogyny running through our medical uh, institutions and training and how actually we've all been in moments where we find something really funny when we've been, especially if uh, you have ever had an experience where you have gone to someone and said, "Mm, I don't feel great and this is what I think and I think this is it and they're like, "Mm, no because we're not believed. But we look at it from a really funny point of view. We also talk about being a theatre kid, about your first experience at the Edinburgh Festival and how that can shape you and just the joy of being able to bring something to the festival and express yourself in all the different ways that you can. And um, Eva is just an absolute joy to chat with and I know that you are going to love um, today's episode. Now, um, I've got some things to get off my chest is on at Gilded Balloon at TV from now until the 28th of August 2023 and all the details for that are in the show notes of today's episode. If you support the work that we do, the podcast, the coffee mornings, the advocacy work, then you can help us out by becoming a persistent pal or nasty hero. And you can find out more about that by following the link in the show notes of today's episode. We are so grateful to those of you who already are a persistent pal and nasty hero or who indeed have given us the price of a cup of coffee because we know how hard and how tough things are right now and we really do not take your kind financial generosity along with all of your other generosity for granted and we just want to say a huge thank you to you for that. And for those of you who would like to help us, as I say, follow the link in the show notes. The show notes? The show notes. (laughs) Follow the link in the show notes. 
but you can also, if you can't afford to do that, you can give us the price of a cup of coffee or if you aren't able to help us financially, which we totally understand, we know how difficult things are right now. Um, you can always help us by downloading, subscribing, reviewing, and sharing the episodes of the podcast and also if you can share and shout about us on social media that makes such a huge difference as well and is also extremely helpful to us and we are super grateful for it all you can follow us on social media twitter at persistent nasty instagram at persistent and nasty facebook persistent and nasty check out the website at www.persistentandnasty.co.uk send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com you can also follow louise and i louise is at ms louise oliver on both twitter and instagram and i am at elaine stirrett on twitter and at elaine.stirrett on instagram and threads oh for today's episode um eva's so bubbly so anything that's a little bit fizzy so whether that's like i don't know um I wanted to say a can of iron brew, so maybe go for a can of iron brew, or maybe a, a sparkling apple ties, or like, I don't know, sparkling water if that's your bag. San Pellegrino, who knows? Um, or, you know, maybe a like, little cider, or a beer, or maybe you want something a wee bit warmer, so you can have a coffee or a hot chocolate. Or, you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Eva Lily, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, we're so glad to have you and chat with you about your new show. But we will talk about that in a little bit. Uh, (laughs) But first, I would love you to share with the listeners um, the potted history of Eva Lily, how you ended up in our industry this wonderful, tricky, intricate, beautiful thing that is our industry. Frustrating many a time, but beautiful nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I unfortunately was just a theatre kid from day one. Um, I was always doing shows in my living room. I had, I was quite lucky. I had lots of brothers, so I had lots of castmates. I'm not sure how they felt about it, but they were quite diligent. Um And yeah, just loved performing from a very young age. I was incredibly lucky. I had amazing drama teachers all all the way through actually my childhood um, who were always incredibly inspiring and gave me lots of opportunities. I actually came to the Fringe um, with school when I was 16 uh, and again at 17. And that's, you know, was such an incredible experience and being able to kind of see the world of theatre, the world of fringe so early was really incredible. Um, and and just sort of enjoyed it all the way through. So, you know, I kind of knew I wasn't going to perhaps always uh, tread the boards. And so when I got to uni, I started to explore more of what was what there was and um, got into writing just because it was an opportunity and, and you can. And I wrote I wrote my first play at university and I just, I really loved it. I loved creating characters and telling stories and finding ways to express things um, and continued then pursuing playwriting more seriously um, afterwards. And I've had some incredible opportunities. I got uh, just out of graduating, I was part of the Royal Court's introduction to playwriting, which really was the best introduction to playwriting I could have had. Um, 
and got to learn lots of things there and I have since then had sort of a few little plays in scratch nights and various things in London um, and I co-wrote with my partner Connie who is uh, the resident director on this project as well we co-wrote a play Salmon which we took to Edinburgh took to vaults took around just before the pandemic which was really lucky um, and and I've just been continuing to write for the last couple of years um, and this play sort of came out of that. It's very different to what I usually would write, but it was a story I really wanted to tell. Um, and so found some time to, to get there. But but yeah, sort of um, quite a logical journey, definitely learning things each step of the way, but also it was just always in my blood a little bit, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think so many people feel that and it's really interesting talking to so many different artists as well, like even just over the last few days with um, the podcast coming that will be coming out um, of people who are like just talking about it's in you and you just like it has to come out in some way or other. Um, so many things that you've mentioned there, Eva, that I would just love to kind of kind of touch on, like firstly, that kind of experience of coming to the fringe as a teenager. I mean, I think in Scotland, we kind of take it for granted in some ways. Like if you're a theatre kid or you did, if you were really lucky and you had drama at school, because not everybody can afford to go to like your theatres yeah. and all of that. But if you had drama at school and you had a really amazing drama teacher who made sure that you got through like on a school trip or something, because um, obviously in Scotland, we go back to school uh, in August. So we get that last yeah. week festival. Um like just that experience for you um, coming up to Edinburgh, like what was that like? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the first instance, it was just a huge amount. It was a huge exposure to a whole range of different theatre and not just theatre and, you know, more. We, we were sort of really encouraged to go and see different things, not just the plays that we might be exposed to you know in London we have an amazing amazing theatre scene but you have to when you're young you can't always go and find out all the quirky things that are around and about and so actually being in the fringe that's one of the things I remember most was seeing plays that I would never see anywhere else and and also we were given just a huge amount of independence and I think when you're 16 years old to sort of be let loose in a city where so many exciting things are happening and things that you love and you I felt a huge sense of the community of it and I went up with my friends and I always had friends at drama but you know growing up when you're a theatre kid people you, you can sometimes feel a little bit out of place. I mean, I felt it was very lucky. I had lots of friends who did the same thing, but it can be a really hard industry to know how you're gonna navigate your way through. And you know, you're told very early on that not everyone gets to go and win Oscars and go on the West End. And, and when it is, as you say, like when you have this thing that it's in you and you have to just do it, that can be a really difficult thing to grapple with. And so actually coming to the fringe, it really just showed me that there were so many other avenues. You could create so many different types of work. And that was such an, a magical experience. And I got to just kind of hang out with my friends and my parents went around and I could go to bed when I want, which was another really big, important part of it. Cause it, being an artist, you have to go and be independent and step out of your comfort zone. And getting a chance to do that quite early on in life 
has definitely built that confidence in me. I think there'll be so many people that will resonate with that as well. And just that thing of like, being a a young person who either loves music or loves theatre or art, and it's not the quote unquote trendy thing to do at that time. Um, it can be really, as you say, it can be really hard in your school life because you've maybe got your youth theater that you go to or your youth group or you know your dance class so that's your little bubble there and but yeah just that kind of over overwhelming aspect of the festival and I think something that you said there about you know you get told you're not all going to win Oscars and you're not which is true and is a huge part and it is like you know um one of the uh, incredible people guests that we've had on uh, the two hosts of the 98% who talk about yeah. <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> Alexa and Katie like 98% of all performers are not working right now as a performer yeah we're all doing our side hustles um or that we could well that we can survive on just doing that I should say yeah yeah. yeah um but it, it's that thing that you just said about I think there's that line of like what success is mm-hmm. in our industry and that starts off really early like you've just mentioned that about thinking about that and how there are different things like getting a show to the festival is a huge success like yeah. to any festival but to get to Edinburgh is a huge success yeah and I think to to create any to be part of that creative process is you know we 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 know I think we know that when we're in it I mean I always remind myself that actually I would love doing this in a in my bedroom to two people because we love creating we love making that's what makes us artists but I think that the fringe really can open up that sense of there being a place for everything and being a place for the thing that, and I think me, the show that I brought up this time, I, I feel that in a very strong sense that this is a show that the fringe allows because it's, it's not necessarily going to sit in a West End theatre for six months, but it has a real space here and it has a, a real home. And, and I think that in promoting creativity as well, that's so important. Um, not just to kind of, um, to have the space I think to to do it and for it to really feel that way but yeah and seeing that so young I think was such an influence on me yeah and where did you go to uni I went to university I went to the University of Exeter um which I absolutely loved I didn't take drama because I I was I sort of knew I still knew in my core I was going to end up there but I knew I was sort of already knowing that maybe it wasn't just going to be acting and so I went actually and studied English but I did English and creative writing which I think in a way has now led me back to where I was but I was so involved in the drama societies there and we were with so many we were really lucky and had amazing opportunities there there's a theatre on campus and every year the musical society and the big theatre society could put on a show there and so I got involved in that and that was amazing and then they have a great new writing society which is where I wrote my first play and had that support and found that uh, creative outlet and um, yes yeah, so the societies there were really more my education than my degree I say. 
um I think that you're no you're not the only person that we've spoken to who's done that creative writing university different avenue and then it's brought them back to where it was and I think it's just a reminder to everybody that you do don't have to do the drama school route always you will find your way back uh, yeah yeah definitely Definitely. I, I think as well there was something about um there was something about studying uh, English, particularly for me, that it again it had it, it sort of was so entrenched with I think drama. The, you know, those two subjects always go really hand in hand. And but there was something really lovely about often able to combine them. And I remember I wrote I could write essays on the plays that I was seeing and things like that, and and having that as a real combined interest. Um, then I think has all contributed to as I've started to write more as well so um yeah (laughs) with your writing do you have like a set process that you go through or is it just the idea comes to you and away you go yeah I'm I I am quite annoying I think because I just have a lot of ideas and that's (laughs) never something that other people like to hear um but I I do have a process I and I have when I was at the Royal Court I worked with uh Simon Longman was a playwright who ran our scheme and he the one thing that I do consistently is that I don't ever write character names in my scripts until I get to the end so I will write an entire script and it just looks like lines on a page because that was something that he said you don't present your name first you don't go either carry on chatting Elaine carry on you know so I will write a script and it just looks like lines of text and then I go back and I put the characters in and it's always really interesting because if you can't tell what which character is saying what then you sort of go okay well I need to re-approach this because it's clearly not strong enough and so that is one of the big tips that I have done and I am a big fan of getting the first draft done so I never I sort of will write and even if I change things halfway through I won't go back I'll just write over almost like a new scene underneath and I'll just write and write and write and I'll get this long document and then as soon as I can I like to get people to read it because I like to hear it out loud um, and eventually I'll do sort of lots of work on on a script and if I'm feeling really generous with myself I will then try and just write it from scratch and see what see where we get and I normally end up with an amalgamation of both scripts if I'm honest um so yeah I do have quite a, I have quite a firm process but I think it's because I've always done writing around other jobs and so when the time was really precious I really felt like I needed to find the way to get the most out of it and um, that's how that sort of developed I think that's really great advice and that oh my mic just fell well just <laughs> burst everybody's eardrums probably <laughs> um we'll do it no I think that's really great to hear because I think um that sense of as we've said like people in the arts we're, we're we've got many hats and we're doing many different jobs you know especially if you're not from a financially a uh, lucrative background yeah. <laughs> um so you know we're all working to pay those bills and that's probably really helpful for people listening just that sense of like that structure really works because it's you're on a timeline and that's that's really great to hear even I was like oh don't write names yeah that has that is the one big thing that I tell I tell everyone and I think it it works so well in playwriting because it frees you of 
just the logistical time it takes to go bold, write out the character names. And also, you know, I don't know, I, I'm definitely, um, names are so important to me and it takes me ages to land on a name. And I often do this thing and my friends always laugh where I'll use my friends names for characters um, and then I'll eventually swap them out once I sort of got, get a feel for them but they sort of they'll often come to help me read a script or I'll send it to someone and they'll go oh this is this is my character one is it you know and then and that helps me but it's yeah again it's sort of how do you how do you facilitate the the actual writing process without getting bogged down in all of the other bits that are really important but I you know yeah when you only have a couple of hours a week it's so vital yeah how long was your course at the royal court the scheme that you were on it was about three months so it was three months and we worked with one playwright and but we also had a director come in and talk to us and we spoke to other um mem people who had previously been part of it and then at the end of it you so you sort of work towards writing a play and submitted that for feedback and the royal court are great they keep in touch a lot with um you and they send other opportunities and I don't like if anyone's interested in it it is such a great uh community and space and course and they run it relatively regularly um so it's yeah definitely one to to look out for I will make sure and pop all the um, information for that in today's yeah. shows, um because I think you know just you even just seeing those little nuggets of uh <laughs> things that people will be like oh more give me more um so Eva you've obviously you did your a uh, play salmon um in 2019 and can you tell me kind of some of the themes of that before we move on to your current piece yeah um it was sort of in a way quite opposite because it focused on um male mental health in particular it was and grief as well it was a sort of a story about grief um and it was very um surreal so it used lots of animal imagery lots of spoken word lots of amazing sound design and lighting and it was very, it was kind of a, it was about capturing an atmosphere as much as it was about telling the story and giving your audiences quite a strange experience. And um, there was a big, there was a big twist. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, are we going to do it again? Do I want to tell the twist? Or, but, but it had, um, had a twist where the worlds had sort of um, become a bit skewed and, and then the audience started to realise that. Um, so that was, yeah, that was quite, it's, um quite serious but had lots of fun elements within it in terms of the um different styles that we used yeah so it is quite different from um your current um piece and uh you'd said that that obviously went to vault and festival uh, edinburgh festival vault's such a brilliant festival as well it's like um yes it's it's so great and i mean i know that they are they're sort of worrying about where they're going to be able to go for next year so I really hope yeah. they can find us I mean it's that's a great festival and it's a really nice one that works quite nicely in tandem with Edinburgh either you preview there you come up you come you know they they sort of tend to do that and I mean we were so lucky we our show was maybe two weeks before the lockdown so we were very lucky that we even got it on um but that was an incredible experience and that was a huge learning experience because we, it was the first time 
I'd sort of done a play that had gone out and about and gone around. You know, I've been doing small things in kind of London pub theatres, but this was a show that we toured and moved around. And so there was lots of learning that came with that. And hopefully some of it has been taken on board. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure it absolutely has. So um, we now move on to your current show, which is I've Got Something to Get Off My Chest. Um, yeah. First of all, great. Uh, title um and a so just so everyone knows as well before we get into all the deets um it's on at gilded balloon at tv it and you are on from the second until the 28th yep and you taking a couple of days off just the 14th just the 14th oh you're going for it I'm going for it I'm going for it I'm gonna do it storm through (laughs) oh I mean I I'm loving it (laughs) Yes, one day off. Good. What? Yeah. And you're on at what time again? At one forty. One forty. Oh, that's yeah. quite a lovely time. It's it's a great time. It's really nice because it's sort of we get time in the morning. We will go and be flowering and doing all of those things, and then you still have an afternoon and an evening, and I can be in bed at a reasonable hour, which I'll need to do if I'm only having one day off. <laughs> one forty is an absolutely. That's like lucky that's you. <laughs> I was going to say about that one. Um, so tell us about uh, tell us about what inspired. Um, I've got something to get off my chest, and then we can talk about uh, the show itself. Yeah. yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's really a true story. It's um, the story of my experience. Firstly, with very big boobs, um, I have my bras are thirty eight k, and weigh around three point four five kilograms. And I tried to, I went to the NHS about getting a breast reduction um, after quite a long time of um, debating what to do. And, and I sort of went through the process and I just had bizarre experience after bizarre experience. And I, um, I used to go to the pub and I would tell my friends and we would laugh and I would turn it into this joke. And, and it kind of got to a point eventually where it kind of hit a standstill and I you know I was frustrated and I was annoyed and I, I wanted to move it forward and I originally had the idea to do I actually had the name like before I really had anything else because it was it was a good pun and it was a good joke and I originally toyed with creating a podcast that might have been an opportunity to get people to talk about it and eventually I decided I didn't want to share the spotlight. I was going to write a one-woman show. Um, so, it, yeah, and then from the base story, I started to do more research and, uh, you know, really looking into the current impact of medical misogyny and how it's still existing. And so th- from from my story, we then sort of widen out into the general theme of it in that way. Um but yeah, that was, that was, I mean, honestly, what inspired it was just, I felt like I couldn't, I had no control over the situation and I just needed to tell someone. <laughs> so I thought I'd tell everyone, why not? <laughs> exactly, why not? And it's yeah. one of those things, isn't it, that it's like, you know, um, conversations around female, around our bodies and what happens when her, within our bodies that I think things are moving forward much more but there's still a real stigma I guess round about it and the kind of lack of openness certainly across generations yeah uh, is, a, is a big thing and it's so interesting that you talk about medical misogyny um because 
our guest that we were chatting to yesterday um, from a show called uh, Stark Bullock Naked talk about uh, internalised misogyny. Mm-hmm. So it's really fascinating that you bring that up. And I would love if we can chat a little bit more about that and how you've navigated that and how much of that is maybe in the play. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the the other thing that I find really interesting about medical misogyny, and I think in a way it talks a lot to certain issues around internalized misogyny as well, is that healthcare is because we have doctors that are professionals and they're medically trained and they have a knowledge that we as an ordinary person do not have. We have sort of been socialized to very much accept things that we are told and when it comes to things like misogyny playing a role in that we what I noticed when I was talking about my experience and when I was responding to them and when a a doctor would tell me something or a nurse would tell me something and I would just go oh yeah uh," and it wasn't until much later that I might go oh maybe that was a bit odd because it's we've created a culture where I think we're kind of Um, not often encouraged to look critically at these things and this isn't you know this is when I talk about this this is not any individual this is I'm talking in very broad strokes and I think internalized misogyny also can play into it because when we're um, you know as women we, we we hold we just carry a lot of that stuff and so if you're kind of already carrying it and then a doctor tells you that's just how hormones work in women and you go okay great and you leave and you haven't resolved the issue then that's when it gets dangerous and that's when it gets painful and that's when it gets difficult and that's the moment that's what I really for me is so important about this play and when I'm when we talk about it and we navigate it it's always with the intention to encourage people to recognize it I think and and recognizing it calling it out and sharing the story because those are the things those are the only ways that this gets addressed if we sort of keep accepting and keep ignoring then it will just carry on um and I think just the thing that's always just been most shocking as I've been developing this and we've done previews of the show is like every time I finish and I come out and women of all ages as you say all ages people I know people I don't know everyone comes up to me and they tell me some horrific things story and it's so I think it is very universal and it's not just women it's 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 all sorts of marginalized people it's basically anyone who isn't a, a straight white man let's let's be real about it and I just think that yeah healthcare is such a funny one because there there is obviously a um a separation of knowledge and there there are those elements but that doesn't mean that these other things aren't playing into it and it doesn't mean we can't be critical it doesn't mean that we can't recognize that um I think I've gone very off tangent but I I think it's yeah for me that it's just it's very important to talk about it and be open and and call it out and and identify it yeah no you're you're absolutely right um and I think all of that is important so don't worry and also we love (laughs) a tangent so don't worry about it I do many (laughs) um so tell us about uh I have something to get off my chest and um what people can expect when they see the show yeah um you know it has a serious heart but it is very silly and funny and I think not just not just because it's 
I think, you know, these things always come hand in hand with humor. You have to laugh or, or you cry, but also, you know, there's, it's boobs, it's funny, it's silly. We've all had those stories. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of comedy in it, a lot of laughs and um, it's, it's, jam-packed I'll say that much it's a it's a busy hour especially for me um so there's there's lots of lots of different parts of it and um just yeah a good time hopefully I think it you know I want audiences to think but I want them to have had a really fun time with me and then we can all chat more about bra compare bras and boob sizes and all those kind of things <laughs> So are you kind of doing it in the style of just you're talking to the audience and you are we're just like yeah there's some there's sort of, are we you know we having a little bit more if, or can if you not tell not, me you keep in, <laughs> you keep in no no I'll, I'll tell you anything I'll tell everyone anything <laughs> um it's no it's sort of a mixture of scenes sort of little scenes um but it's kind of carried through me having a conversation and our space is really lovely it's very it's really intimate and it it's it really lends the opportunity where I will look you in the eye and I will tell you something and we will I can see I can also see if you're laughing so be warned but it I really like that it really to me it breaks down that barrier it breaks down that wall um and but yeah and then there are a few sort of little more acting scenes um that I that I do and a little bit of audience participation as well but I don't want to spoil the surprise of that so um yeah lots of different things we, we love a little bit of audience participation at the festival it's like yeah that's yeah. it everyone's got to get involved <laughs> everybody's got to get involved yeah absolutely um so you've obviously got the show going on and you've got all of these conversations within it because I'm sure it brings up so much and you you mentioned that um people come up to you at the end and you know you're hoping that people will have fun but is there anything else that you're really hoping that people will take away from it are you are you hoping people are going to have a conversation like a really like big yeah conversation when you leave? definitely I really I think people having conversations about it is so important because I think it just it breaks down the the stigma and the secrecy and the uh, you know the isolation I think with health things as well you can feel very isolated and that for me was definitely a big thing because I didn't really know anyone who was going through what I was going through and so yeah having those conversations you know and I think also just just being it's sort of um being more mindful of the things that these kind of the way that we can exist in this world. I think, you know, it's very much a medical thing, but there's lots of different elements of it. And just being, being more mindful of what everyone's got going on and, and all of these things that we might not, um, you know, be talking about and, and calling out because yeah. So a conversation is definitely a big one and, and also reflection. And if, if, someone has felt uncomfortable about an experience at a doctor and maybe hopefully giving them a bit more confidence to go no that was not you know appropriate or that I didn't get a solution I'm going to go back you know it takes it, it takes women's years to get things diagnosed and so much of that I think is because when you're shut down by a doctor who is you know is a professional you sort of accept it and yeah I you know I would just love it if if we we stopped just accepting it and go no you haven't solved my problem we need to we need to do more tests we need to do whatever I want to try this or or whatever it may be 
so true it's that thing that's such hangover from I think generations before of like well if the doctor says that yeah and that must be it and you're like well mm, just pointing out that yeah. some don't even some GPs don't get any training on menopause and some of them get 15 minutes in their seven yeah. years of training so, so maybe, yeah I think the women living it might yeah. have something yeah. to say you know, um, and it's, it's, it's your whoever, body so you know yeah. you the only person who knows your body as well as you do is you so if it feels wrong it's probably wrong yeah um yeah so that kind of goes for anyone like whatever's going on in yeah. yourself you know it yourself right and trust your gut like I always trust think your gut. Just completely yeah well, we, not that I want to bash the NHS because god we need it and we need to see no no yeah and I think it's, it's got but there are like every institution yeah some issues <laughs> exactly exactly and you know the NHS is is and I, I do talk about this in my show you know it's 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 an amazing amazing thing that we have and we're so lucky and it's just about making sure that everyone has has a fair access and has all of these things and it's you know at its heart it's what the NHS would would want and wants to do it's just that these conversations are so complex and they've the institutions all of these ideas are so ingrained it's not anyone's fault it's not it's not one person that we're pointing at you know, and I, I worry that we get very afraid of calling out patriarchal influences or other oppressional influences. But I just, I, it's so impossible to avoid them. And I just think if you, naming it is half of the battle, really, and then you can actually do something about it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, if you had five words to describe, I've got some things to get off my chest, what would they be? Okay, well, we're going to go straight in with boobs because there are a lot of boobs. Excellent. And I, they're a big feature, literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess the more serious side is pro- it's probably healthcare. Um, boobs, healthcare. Um, you know, it's, it is female focused, so maybe women, fem- you know, women feminism. Um, and then I'm going to do, um, I mean, don't worry if you can't get five, like, yeah, I think, (laughs) I think it's about like, it is comedy. It's a, you know, it's a comedy play, humor, laughter, all of those things, very much a huge part of it. And, um, you know, I mean, well, let's give boobs another one because there's two of them. So (laughs) excellent. I love it. (laughs) They should each get a shout out. (laughs) Absolutely. Brilliant. So we've got boobs, healthcare, feminism, uh, Fun and comedies, yeah. we put that as one, yeah, and then yeah. books again. Amazing, yeah. fabulous. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a show that everybody should see, and hopefully they will. And I'm just going to say again where it is on. So we are at um, Gilded Balloon at TV, and you are on from today, the second of August. Yeah, <laughs> until the 28th, apart from the 14th, and you are on at 1:40 p.m. 1:40 p.m. Uh, amazing now before we finish up Eva we like to ask a question um the reason we're called persistent and nasty is uh we were kind of started in amongst the fire that was the me too movement and they kind of looking for a name that would suit us and in that moment there was a couple of political things that happened American 
uh yeah very resonant here so um you know the nevertheless she persisted about elizabeth warren when they tried to stop her speaking and then um when the previous president of the united states called hillary clinton a nasty woman for daring to give him some actual facts in a debate uh and we're all about reclaiming words as well so like that kind of word of getting nasty or bitch or bossy that gets used against us all the time yeah yeah so um Eva Lily, what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you? Oh, I think, I think persistent and nasty for me, and I actually think this is going to be nice because it will tie into my play and I haven't done this intentionally, but I do think this is true. I but think I love persist- that work. And <laughs> I think persistent and nasty to me is that, that thing that we talked about before when if you feel it's wrong and you you your gut is telling you it's wrong do not let like do not give up on it for yourself and to me it's really that that um action i kind of see it quite as as a as an action that is irrespective of what you're hearing around you to just push forward with with looking after yourself and doing what you need to do to protect protect yourself, get the help you need, get the healthcare you need, you know, tell, make sure that everyone is aware of the situation. And have, yeah, that sort of push, push through and fighting um, something that you know in your gut is right. I think it, it um, that's what that phrase means to me, definitely. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Eva. Um, I hope that you have a brilliant festival. Um, I am looking forward to coming and seeing the show and uh, I'll let you know when we're um, yes. coming along. And um, hopefully we can grab you afterwards and have a chat. But um again, the show note the show notes again, um, all the details for Eva's show. I have some things to get off my chest are in the show notes of today's episode, along with a link for tickets. So get yourself a ticket and get along to see it. Um, Eva, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. This has been so like such a wonderful chat. And I feel so I feel so energized now for, for the rest of for the rest of my day, but also the rest of the fringe. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm really glad. <laughs> yes, go for it. Enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I'm like, why am I doing my show now? I should go and do it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully the weather will pick up at some point. But at I least believe it. <laughs> at least it's the whole of the UK that's crap and not just us. So you know. We're all yeah. we're all the same it's shitty. Part of the fringe experience. It has to oh, be. Oh, it really is. The it weather, the wind, the rain, all of it. And then we'll get a day where it'll probably hit about 28 degrees and none of us will know what to do. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Eva, thanks again. And until next time, lovely listeners, stay nasty. Stay nasty. <laughs>